I'm closer to the golden dawn Immersed in Crowley's uniform of imagery Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, Episode 40. I hope everyone's doing well. I had more or less committed, at least to myself, to make this a weekly podcast, starting with Episode 38, the one with Lon Milo Duquette. However, I think I might have scared everyone away with Episode 39, in which I promoted... uh, worshipping God as David Bowie and uh, self-educating about Scientology while staying away from the organization. Nonetheless, I don't seem to have anybody to interview this week. I had uh, two people lined up, but due to technical difficulties and uh, a communication break, uh, yeah, that's not happening. The other um, angle to it is that Lately, I've been really pushing uh, for this festival going on up in Kern County called Bava's Fest. That is a four-day camping trip by a river in which I and several other yoga teachers will be presenting, and it should be a lot of fun. If that sounds like something you're interested in, it's from March 31st to April 3rd, and you can find out more information at B-H-A-V-A-S-F-E-S-T. Be sure to use my promo code, the number 2 and the letters B-Y-O-G-I. That's 2B-Yogi. That uh, knocks $50 off of it, so it's only 200 So if it seems reasonable and uh, sounds like something that would be fun and you'd like to join me for the class that I'll be teaching a group of people by a river in which I'll be using my dad's Dorja and bells and teaching some of that stuff... Um, Additionally, I will be there for the other three days and 23 hours in which I am not teaching that class. And so if you're interested in anything that I've talked about on this podcast, um, surely you will be able to uh, pester me with questions. And uh, they will be probably most welcome during, you know, campfire time uh, and that kind of thing. Should be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. So in lieu of having a guest tonight... I uh, conducted two interviews for the To Be a Yogi podcast, and uh, one, of, one of which was one of the other teachers up at Bava's Fest. Tomorrow, I'm going to be interviewing two more people for Bava's Fest, and I'm going through an orientation for this mind-body thing. I think they're going to try to sell me this app where they're going to organize all my, my many, many uh, private clients, of which there are uh, fewer than one at the moment. But anyway... One item from our corrections department. You can imagine that I'm using the sound effect. I'm not going to take the time to go find it and splice it in there. Hope that's all right. Um, It's 57 perceptics, not 55 perceptics. Maybe one of you caught that, maybe not. But I always say 55 perceptics, and I mean 57. Uh, The Isabel episode, or the one Sora Clayito, I think it's 30-something. The beginning of that, if that doesn't make sense. Also, I might mention that I, Frater BT, uh, had a cameo appearance on Gwydion's Astral Podcast a couple days ago. It's the one called Coming Back Home, in which I take David Bowie's advice from the previous episode. And so, without further ado, let's get to some of those highlights, shall we? 
Greetings and welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. I'm Edward Reed, and this is my co-host, Sarah Swain. Hello. The To Be a Yogi podcast is dedicated to bringing the worldwide yoga community together. We will bring you history, discuss the various forms of yoga, as well as the latest news and current events on the subject. We will also give you good book recommendations. We will bring you interviews with longtime practitioners, experts, and authors. We will also interview new teachers and those who've been at it for a while, as well as those who practice and love yoga. Our goal is for everyone in the world to have access to the knowledge of how to safely and effectively practice yoga and meditation. There's the five yamas, for instance, and the five niyamas, uh, non-violence, non-lying, non-stealing, sexual wisdom. Uh, often people interpret that as chastity or abstinence, um, but other others will say it just means be faithful and don't be an idiot, you know, with your sexual energy. Right. And, and then aparigraha, which is non-coveting, non-clinging. It's sort of that Buddhist concept of not being attached. Uh, then there, there's the niyamas which are cleanliness, contentment, remaining in a state of contentment and serenity even regardless of whether times are good or not. And then tapas, which is the burn, you're staying a little bit longer than is comfortable for the sake of growth, for the sake of moving through and beyond resistance. So you want to get beyond your comfort zone. The fourth one is... Um, self-study. So you're watching yourself in present time. You're vigilantly aware of your own reactions, your emotional responses, um, everything that's going on with you. The fifth niyama is surrender to God, surrender to Ishvara, Ishvara Pranidhana. Allow yourself to be an expression of the universe, one of many expressions of a harmonious universe. The third limb is where you get into the poses. It's called asana. The fourth limb is pranayama, which is conscious breathing and breath control. The fifth limb is pratyahara. The withdrawal of the senses. So you withdraw the senses from the outer world, mm -hmm. and then you focus them on the internal. Next, concentration. Dharana, so it's the mental focus and concentration. Then, dhyana, which is meditation. That's the word that's translated as zen in, in Japanese, um, chan in Chinese, and meditation in English. And it's basically the meditation state that you achieve after you've uh, perfected all those others. And then from there, samadhi. Hello, Edward. Hello. Uh, how do you pronounce Ashok Malhotra? Does it have a meaning? Yeah, uh, Ashok means the greatest king of India. Mm -hmm. He spread Buddhism all over the world in 261 BC. Nice. Because of King Ashoka, you had Buddhism. <laughs> because if you're a practicing uh, Buddhist meditation, I think it's King Ashoka who started the whole thing in 261 BC. So nice. Ashoka means the king of India, the greatest king of India, who unified the whole country. Secondly, Ashoka also means uh, one who takes away all your worries, all your stress, all your strain, all your anxieties, uh, and so forth. So that's what Ashoka means, and many other things. There is an eternal tree in India, which is called Ashoka tree. And then Malhotra means Malhotra. Hot actually means one who sits on something. And mal means one who takes away all your worries. He sits on this 
वेरी कंफर्टेबल पद्म आसन मल्होत्रा एंड मीनिंग वन हू सेट्स ऑन लॉट ऑफ मनी यू नो पीपल थिंक विच इज और टू बी काउंटेड इन टर्म्स वट यूर बैंक अकाउंट इज राइट इज ए डिफरेंट बिटवीन रिच एंड वेल्थ यू नो यू माइट बी अ मिलन एयर यू माइट हैव टेन मिलियन बट इफ यू कैनट पार्ट विद टेन डॉलर यूर पुअर and a person who has 100 dollars who can part with 1 dollar is a richer yeah and you are and that's the way i think life goes that's what tolstoy said long time ago you're rich because you are not just a human being but you are trying to be human there is a difference in human being and being a human all of us are human being we were born as parents who are human beings but at the same time you know you have to make an effort at being human and that's where compassion comes in that's where yoga training comes in that's where helpfulness comes in that's where karuna buddhism comes in you have to take that choice make that choice and most of the people let that go they don't want to grow and develop their brains or their mind and become you know kind of self centered they become selfishly centered on wrong thing but self centered is going within and getting in touch with that wonderful spark which we have which is part of the solar system which is part of the, what created this whole universe and so forth yeah we have then us and that's what namaste basically means that is that i pull my two hands and i bow before you i recognize your physical body i'm not bowing before your physical body I recognize you have that divine spark. I have the same with your brothers and sisters. That's what Namaste basically means. Now I'm reaching out um, to people who can help me because I, you know, I uh, I want to be a yogi, and I don't want you to, want be, a to false, be a yogi. I don't want to be a false. Yogi, you know, I don't want to say I'm a yogi, but not really be one. So I've started this podcast called "To Be a Yogi," uh, so that people like me. and may and me also can uh, can can ask people like you please help me to be a yogi and and help me to to be a good teacher and and a good teacher of yoga because you had said that there were the different types of yogi there's a the hollywood type and uh, and i'm and i i right when you go to sunset sunset strip right there at the mouth of sunset strip there's a crunch fitness with a big fist i teach that yoga class and i want to be more like the true yoga that you you define as the himalayan yoga you know a lot of uh, kind of faiths you have in the system have you gone through the tantrali yoga sutras i have tantrali yoga composed close to 500 bc or earlier by a sage tantrali the book is called yoga sutra even the buddha learned that and then he created his system of meditation based on it and that is the original text on which all the other yogas which people follow these days most of the people don't even read the book the original book of patanjali if you want to become a yogi you have to read that first parts <laughs> are you know the first is your samadhi pada then that means the goal and the meaning of yoga the aim of yoga second is sadhana pada which is uh, the method ashtanga yoga 
Kriya Yoga and how you utilize uh, what we call, you know, Vinyasa Yoga, how you use uh, Pranayama, how you use Asanas, uh, uh, physical postures. And what happens is most of the people, again, I read the book, they think because they can do 20 Asanas, physical postures and some breathing exercises, and they are masters and they are masters of yoga. No. To be a yogi means you have to go beyond all this and perfection of Ashtanga Yoga, which is discussed in part two called Sadhana Yoga, Sadhana Pada. Then part three, all the powers you are going to be getting because you are perfecting. Samyama. Yes. Good habits of the heart through pranayama, through breathing. Good habits of the mind through dhyana, meditation. All that's there in part two. Then lots of powers you'll start gaining and so forth. What's the final goal of yoga? The final goal of yoga, of course, is to go beyond all these powers to get enlightened. Because you're your best friend and your worst enemy. And that's why people die because... They keep on putting all junk in their systems, whether it's food, drink, ideas, emotions. Her mind is more like a pure lake or a pure field, but you plant beautiful flowers in it, they grow and you take care of them. But once the weeds or negative ideas start coming in, they start messing the mind up and you don't let any of those negative ideas of the I can't do this, or I don't have self-esteem, I'm never good at this. And, you know, I'm afraid of that person. All these are negative ideas. They're like uninvited guests who creep in from the bottom of your door. And once they go inside your house, they want to stay there, just like we. So you have to work through that part. That's where dealing psychologically but you have to deal it, you know, more at a metaphysical or spiritual level. Because, you know, we are all physical beings. We are beings with emotions. We are beings with mind. But there is the integration of all these three. That's the way the spirit will express itself. And that is what's going to connect us to whatever the ultimate force is. It's within you. So you have to take that inward journey. And I think most of the people just get stuck with few physical exercises. They're good for you. Yeah. Breathing exercises are good for you. But you are not the master. To become a yogi, that will require mastering the physical process, breathing, meditation, and then integrating all these, forming a harmony among them. And then you move on. And then hopefully you'll be able to connect to Special thanks to Spirit in Stone for the use of their track, Isn't All One. Welcome to Episode 2 of the To Be a Yogi Podcast. I'm Edward Reed. Let's meet our co-host, Kathy Kuhn Pentecost. Hello. 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 How are you? I am well, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. It's good to see you. I'm glad you were able to come by. Me too. Jyoti, J-Y-O-T-I, and mm-hmm. it's a Sanskrit word, and it means light, inner inner light. Mm-hmm. And my original name was uh, Melanie, which is of Greek origin, and it means dark or black. 
And mm. so in my yoga journey, um, my goal is to go from darkness to light, right? Well, my friend sent me this really funny article from Tibet. And it's this, I guess, this Tibetan teenager who he's like, oh, I'm really getting into Western philosophy. It's so <laughs> oh, that interesting. Yeah. And did you see that? I did. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, it's it's interesting. It feels like the world, you know, brain in a way. I mean, not to sound like the Borg or something, but I'm I'm fond of Tellier Desjardins' vision of the noosphere awakening, the world brain awakening through each of our individual connections and the sharing of knowledge. So it, it only seems natural that people would would gravitate toward the things that they lack. So I think what they're calling that these days is heart-centered living. Hmm. So uh, very uh, heart chakra stuff, living in the love place all the time, breathing to that area constantly, living in the I love yous. Right. Yeah. I teach, let's see, Hatha yoga, Kundalini yoga, Bhakti yoga. That's the one I was interested in. (laughs) Right. And sure. And that's that's my kirtan, which I do. and we're called Dharma Sound. I'm a fan of call and response. I think that is a fantastic, genuine, immediate way to raise your vibration. Um, it's, it's a way of experiencing the Shanti in a different kind of way than you would perhaps in your practice. Now, of course, I know what you're talking about, for, but for some of us listeners, what do you mean by the Shanti? The Shanti, the Shanti, that's the, the oneness. That's, that's what the name of my acupuncture shop is, Shanti. I chose that name oh, very cool, specifically. Cool, cool. Shanti is a is a Sanskrit word for inner peace, and that makes, I think, inner just saying inner peace really is, is uh, far from an accurate description of what that word really means. Don't sue me, Madonna. It'll make sense later. <laughs> so, uh, so Shanti is the piece of of the oneness that you find when you're in your meditation, or you're chanting, or singing, or uh, perhaps in your uh, Kundalini kind of yoga, maybe. Um, but it's it's when the individuality ceases to exist, and you're just in you're just you're just all in the one. I can imagine the Shanti would come quickly in that type of setting with instrumentation, with three singers, and a whole room full of people. Right. You can't help but get caught in those vibrations. Yeah. And I also conclude every kirtan with a gong bath. And again, we call it a bath because it's like it's a cleansing. This, as my gong is called the subatomic chow, and it literally you know, it vibrates at like an atomic level and it helps to release subconscious content because it's the samskaras or the impressions that cause us most of our suffering, our subconscious imprints and impressions. And so the, the mantra and the sound of the gong, it really helps to, to like vibrate and release a lot of this stored content in our subconscious and also even in the body because every time we have an emotion an emotional thought rather we have chemicals that are released in the brain whether it be a good thought or a bad thought determines which chemical is released it could be an endorphin gets stored in our body and i'm sure as a yoga teacher you know that they'll say 
you know, like we store, we can store a lot of sadness in the shoulders. We store like a lot of anger and fear in the hips because every time we have an emotional thought, these chemicals are released. They go into the bloodstream and they are stored in different parts of our body. And repetitive thoughts over time like this, they begin to get really kind of crystallized into our body and our subconscious. And so using the sound and the vibration, it's just a really powerful way to help, you know, to break up that crystallization and that subconscious content, as well as pranayama and breathing techniques and, and all of that. So, But it seems that the sound is a particularly powerful um, way to release a lot of that, um, those negative impressions that are stored in our in our body. That gong clears out the energy body in a special kind of way. I went to a, a full sound bath singing bowl concert at the Awareness Center in Pasadena one time. And I think they probably had probably like a hundred different singing bowls in there. It was bananas. But it's the gong. It's always the gong that takes me the deepest, the fastest. There's something really super special about that vibration yeah so what she's talking about sounds really cool so you're chanting it out there's instruments going there's gongs clearing uh old emotional stuff from the energy body too that sounds that sounds dope yeah like we were talking about last time there's so many uh neurons and and basically brain cells throughout the digestive system it's the it's like the jupiter in the solar system of the body it's almost a sun almost a brain in into itself and we communicate back and forth and i'm sure everybody can relate with that when you get sad and your stomach starts to hurt or you know you something happens you're relieved and suddenly you feel better and and you're uplifted absolutely there's all the factory cells in the digestive system as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Our livers and our stomachs and uh, some of our skin smells. Wow. Our postures change. And, and posture is so universal you can recognize it in an insect. You can tell when an, when an insect is feeling confident or when it's feeling sheepish. We all communicate on that level of the, how the spine is curved and, and how the shoulders are. It's... it's yeah, it's very absolutely. Yeah, you can you can almost perceive you know a person's mental and emotional state by if you look closely at their body and their body posture. So just like in lifting the arms up, you know you're sending a message to the brain. So and you know it, it, we can have you know the body can or the mind can affect the body rather, but also and especially with yoga, we're using the body to affect the mind because you're lifting the arms up. You're sending that message of victory to your brain. So, I mean, you have to equally, you know, equally work on the, you know, we we have the five koshas, right? The the physical body, the breath body, the mind body, intelligence body, bliss body. We have to work on on all of those. Right. It was just like the Native American, the medicine wheel. Yeah. You know, all of those parts we have to work on as a whole. You know, we can't work on just one part i mean we can but it's not going to be very balanced so yeah Yeah, starting with those yamas and and niyamas you know if you ask someone yoga is it violent they'd say well no 
It's like, well, okay, yeah, that's rule number one, nonviolence. It's the first yama. Um, You know, and then lying and stealing is, okay, well, these are somewhat obvious. It's like basic Ten Commandments kind of stuff, like don't be mean to other people. The yoga masters would only give their certain students certain teachings once they had reached a level of virtue. Right. You know, once they are, uh, you know, abiding by the um, the eight limbs, you know, because of the, as it's talked about in the Yoga Sutra, as you know, the, the, the bhutis or the siddhis, the, the powers that one can attain from certain yoga meditation practices. And so they would make sure that their students were completely you know, responsible and virtuous yeah. before they would give them any of these, you know, certain techniques that could possibly bring some cities or some powers. Well, and now so we can see of it. We can see uh, examples of people who abuse that knowledge and and you know have weird culty type situations where they right. molest their students and things like that and yell at them. Exactly. And things that aren't yeah. consistent with. Uh, you know, real core yoga. Right. They're obviously not established in the eight limbs if they're doing those kinds of things. Yeah. So I understand that they're they're fairly disappointed with Bikram himself. You know, that he took the precious practice and turned it into that. Yeah. You know, all of the things that you should never do. Right. Like all of the opposites of what it's here's the sutra, okay, now do everything opposite. Yeah. Have you heard the Huffington Posts? Thing about Bikram. No. Um, Huffington Post had to invent a, a whole new section of their website called Dickopedia. Oh no. Dickopedia. With an apology to Wikipedia, but not to Bikram Chowdhury, who was the subject of the first post on Dickopedia. Do you wanna do you wanna see it? Yeah, let me see it. Okay. Bikram Chowdhury. Bikram Chowdhury is a 69-year-old yoga instructor, a multi-millionaire businessman, and a dick. The originator of hot yoga, featuring classes held in sweltering conditions, Chowdhury first staked his claim to dickhood in 2002 when he attempted to copyright his sequence of 26 postures, a cynical appropriation of Hindu spiritual practice that's been compared to trying to copyright the Lord's Prayer. Having built a yoga empire that includes schools in over 200 countries, Chowdhury dickishly flaunts his wealth. He owns a fleet of 40 luxury cars and often leads his classes wearing nothing but a tiny Speedo and a $1 million diamond and ruby encrusted watch. Chowdhury's dick moves extend to his ego. He regularly compares himself to Jesus and Buddha, neither of whom is known to have said, as Bikram did, I have balls like atom bombs, two of them. 100 megatons each. Nobody fucks with me. But his dickest boasts go far beyond the explosive power of his testicles. His claims that he healed Janet Reno's Parkinson's and Richard Nixon's phlebitis are wholly unsubstantiated, as is his assertion that his yoga can cure, well, just about anything. I totally cure you, whatever the problem you have. Even less credible is his contention that he worked with the Beatles in 1959 since he would have been 13 at the time and, more importantly, the group had not yet been formed. 
Nowhere is Chowdhury's dick behavior more evident than during the teacher training programs he holds twice a year. After paying over $14,000, attendees are forced to endure nine weeks of grueling physical exertion, restricted food and water, and supervisors who won't let them go to the bathroom without permission. Trainees are also required to stay up late into the night watching Hindi-language Bollywood movies that have nothing to do with yoga. Films Chowdhury cheerfully narrates while having his shoulders massaged and his hair brushed by attractive young wannabe Bikram instructors. These women are often groped and subjected to Dickie Bikram pickup lines like, If I don't have sex, I will die. You are saving my life. According to a series of civil lawsuits, Chowdhury's carnal come-ons sometimes lead to sexual assaults. He put his hand inside my leg, and then I said, please don't. He raped me. One former Bikram trainee alleges that while she was pleading for him to stop, the aroused yoga guru penetrated her, ejaculated quickly, then asked, how many times did you come? Bikram denies the multiple charges, going so far as to portray himself as the one being pressured, explaining, if a follower says to me, boss, you must fuck me or I will kill myself. Think if I don't, the karma. Add to this mix a collection of sexist, racist, and homophobic comments, and you don't need to bend over backwards or break a sweat to reach the conclusion that Bikram Chowdhury is an utterly detestable dick. I'm the most spiritual man you ever met. In tantric uh, practice, what you do is you take the whatever, and each yantra has its own mantra. Each yantra has its own deity. And so you work with meditating on that yantra, and you're meditating on it, and you're chanting the mantra associated with that yantra or that deity. Mm-hmm. And it's like invoking invoking the energy of, of that quality or of that deity. And one of the ways that I love to look at it is that the and yantra literally means vehicle, right? So the, these, these geometric formations that you see, the yantras or the mandalas, it means vehicle. And okay, tantra so, is web? Yes. Tantra just, it just means web. Exactly. Okay. And so you're chanting. So the yantra is the vehicle, and the mantra is the gasoline to fuel that vehicle. And the spiritual path, spiritual progress, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people think of it, oh, it's, it's this blissful thing, or it's going to be so happy and healthy and holy. Sometimes. And that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. However, you know, it's, it's, very hard. I mean, we have yeah. to really look at ourselves honestly to truly do this work. And most people would rather jump in an acid lake than look at themselves honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. It's worth it. Yeah. By all means, it's worth it. But, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you go through that dark night of the soul, you know? Then, yeah. Come out the other know, side. Come out the other side. Yeah. I remember when I needed. uh, I remember when I needed something like a video game or a movie or a TV show or something uh, to keep my brain going, so I wouldn't think about whatever it was I was trying to avoid thinking about. And it's just—I mean, so many people live in that space, but to be able to turn off the TV and actually confront that silence, and in a way, the the sacred tones 
are a way of of helping people to transition from the noise of whatever toward the silence. Definitely. Absolutely. And And that's what's great about the sound and the mantra. It it does. It's a a really great tool, especially for our busy minds in the West, you know, that it really becomes a powerful instrument of meditation to help you lead, will help lead you into that silence, you know, a little more easily. Because for many people just to sit, many Westerners to really just sit in silent meditation, it's really challenging, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Especially in the beginning for people, you know, the, the sound, the gong, and the mantra it is really, really helpful to help them get their mind quiet. You know, yeah. And I've had so many people report that to me, that using the sound, you know, they... You know, like, oh, I've never been able to really meditate or to get my mind on, you know, more quiet. But using the mantra or using the sound frequencies really helps tremendously for people to get, to start to get into that silent space more and more. Yeah. It's a really excellent tool for that, for sure. Thank you so much for speaking with me on my uh, To Be a Yogi podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap up the interview? Well, I would just say that um, if you want to stay in touch with Dharma Sound, you could just like Dharma Sound on Facebook or visit our website at dharmasoundyoga.com. And we do have a CD. Um, It's not on iTunes yet, but it is available. Um, And also we are available to come to your location for Kirtan, so... Anyone that's interested in exploring that, it's a beautiful, blissful experience. And I always talk about the kirtan buzz, that after sitting with the music and the chanting and the meditation and the gong for 90 minutes, you just feel like a buzz, you know, like a natural, <laughs> it's like a natural high. And it really seems to last for a few days, and it's just very uplifting, and it's just really nice that we can all come together and just connect with each other. That's really important these days, too. So just to, to feel connected with one another. So I think a lot, of, a lot of us feel kind of disconnected. And so it's really, yeah. really wonderful to get together and to connect. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. This is so fun. But, you know, at some point in the future, um, I think a really interesting discussion would be about to actually have a discussion about the Kundalini, Kundalini, Kundalini Yoga, Kundalini Meditation, and the Kriyas. Oh, yeah. I would love to have that conversation. That happen, you know, what happens in the body when this Kundalini starts to become active. It's a very, very interesting topic. Of course, the Self-Realization Fellowship, the Kriya Yoga, which is is also Kundalini Yoga. There's also um, Swami Shivananda's Kundalini so many, yeah, when we talk about Kundalini Yoga, now people think of, they think of the white tantric or they think of the 3HO or the Yogi Bhajan, which is, which, which is most popular in the West where everyone wear the white and they do their, and I teach that kind of yoga as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, yeah, there are many kinds of Kundalini Yoga too. Of course, yoga is it's just so vast and yeah. it's incredible. Well, if you consider all the different forms of Christianity, and that's only 2015 years old. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's something for everybody, it seems. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. And I look to hearing the finished product. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, yeah, we'll, we'll keep this going. You know, I'll talk to my friend and set something up in the future for, for that. That'd be awesome. But so, this is so much fun. I could do this every day. Yeah, yeah. So you guys don't have a base. Do you have like a, a, a location where you show up most often? Yes, most often we we do our regular monthly kirtan at Expansions Yoga in Silverdale, Washington. And that's outside so, yeah, of we, Seattle, about forty minutes or so. In the, exactly, yeah, just right outside of Seattle. I just tell people that aren't from here. I just say the Seattle area, right? You know, the Seattle area. But yes, uh, Silverdale. We do that every every month, and then of course we do you know festivals and private events and. Like we do unity churches and bookstores and we open up for other teacher, you know, for meditation lectures and stuff like that. We'll open up for those teachers and stuff. So.
To Be a Yogi, Episode 3, in which we interview Julie Kirkpatrick of the Jiva Mukti lineage. Hi, Edward. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, the word Jiva means refers to an individual's soul. Ah. So, you're a Jiva, I'm a Jiva. <laughs> so, the liberation of the soul. Liberation of the soul, you could say it means to become liberated while in a body. So, in other words, the idea being that using the yoga practices to become a liberated person um, while you still have the body, not waiting until, you know, you're on your deathbed to find freedom. That sounds great. Now, I I had a... Uh, just a thought. I um, now, as you know, this this podcast is called "To Be a Yogi," mm-hmm. and I uh, myself am a yoga instructor. Uh, but when people, I, I when I first went to a hatha yoga class, uh, you know, probably about six or seven years ago, they said, you know, you can flow through a vinyasa or go straight to downward dog. Yogi's choice. And it took me by surprise because I only knew that in the context of Paramahansa Yogananda, Autobiography of a Yogi. I never thought of myself as a yogi. I remember my mom talking about how she could never be a yogi. And so I have kind of decided to take it upon myself to walk the path toward one day maybe being able to call myself a yogi kind of in in my own mind maybe uh-huh. other people think i already am but uh on that path i've um finally become vegan uh uh-huh. as as a personal interpretation of ahimsa and um i'm you know working to do yoga daily and and practice good karma and uh meditate and and all of these things so i was wondering if you had any thoughts about the distinction between the the idea of being a yoga instructor or yoga practitioner and a yogi, or if there's a distinction? Well, you've probably given it way more thought than I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. But I know my, um, my Sanskrit teacher, Manorma, mm-hmm. she says we're all really yogis in training. Mm. And I like that idea. Yeah, so I think that, you know, I agree with what you're saying. It's like, it's just kind of sometimes as Westerners, especially, I think we lapse into sort of shorthand, verbal shorthand. Yeah. So we'll say, well, I'm a yogi. But but really, if I guess if you understood the full concept of a yogi, you'd be, you'd say, like you are, I'm really a yogi in training, you know, like yeah. I'm aspiring toward that. Right, exactly. I, I agree with you. And I think that... Um, Probably the best thing any of us can really do is just to really refine our ability to be a good student. And I know I have to work on it <laughs> myself. And, you know, I'm a bit yeah, stubborn, and a bit of a doubting Thomas sometimes. And I have yeah. to really... Um, I can get my buttons pushed a little too easily. Yeah. Well, there's something for everyone in the yoga. Yeah. In, I mean, it's a big ocean yoga and yeah. there's asanas, like you mentioned, pranayama, meditation, chanting, and um, it becomes like your lifestyle and how you really, how you interact with others, how you form your relationships, um, you become self-reflective and mindful, so you yeah. try to do things. You go vegan, be peaceful, 
work on loving everybody, even if they push your buttons and make you upset and angry and keep meditating and keep practicing yoga. <laughs> so, and yeah, I think it's um, liberated while you're still in the body. <laughs> yeah. And doing that for, to help others really, to be of service for others. Um. Um. <laughs> Today I'll be interviewing Nick Mansi, founder of Mind Body Resilience Training. But first, go ahead and pull up Bhavas Fest at b h a v a s f e s t dot com. Bhavas Fest will take place up in Kern County, March thirty first through April third of two thousand sixteen. I will be presenting on April 1st, Beside the River. I'll be bringing my dad's old bells and dorges, and we'll be connecting with the seven primary chakras. I'll also be sharing some of the poetry of 8th century Indian yogi Padmasambhava. Bhava's Fest Yoga Festival is a four-day transformational yoga experience. Throughout the week, festival goers have access to a full roster of yoga, dance, and meditation classes. Instructors include Gene Heelman, David Sandoval, Chris Vandermeer, Maria Zavala, Rebecca Fink, Paige Yeaton, Nicole Ilaw, Danielle Fowler, Denise Stanick, Christelle Regner, Erica Burkhalter, Josie Kramer, Priya Jane and Peter DeBellis, Don Stillo, Kamela Nair, Swaraj Kare, Nick Capobianco, Ariel Miller Cohen, Robert Astalos, Daniel Stewart, Kristen Shank, Jennifer Glass, and Natasha Marvis of Core Movement will be there. And Courtney Parkin. So mark your calendars, March 31st through April 3rd. And also write down the promo code for this podcast, 2BYOGI. That's the number 2BYOGI. That'll save you 20% when you sign up. And it'll also help out me in the podcast. In addition to what's on the schedule, there will surely also be unscheduled hikes and late nights around the campfire. Looking forward to that. We'll see you there. Our guest tonight, Nick Mancy, is based out of Flagstaff, Arizona. He is the founder of Mind Body Resilience Training, dedicated to restoring and rebuilding the organism to carry a greater man. So let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings. Welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. Hey, Edward. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Live a certain image and be a certain way, even if that included being nice. A lot of people don't didn't like feeling obligated to be nice. I think inherently, whether you know whether they know it or not, you know, on a conscious level. They think something's going to be asked of them, I feel. There, a lot of people are intimidated by yoga because they feel like there's going to be something 
asked of them that they're not able to come up with right away. And I wanted to create an environment where there's nothing asked of you other than to do the work. You can be whoever you want. You can throw a fit. You can uh, cuss. You can smoke. You know, if you're still smoking, you can, you know, not smoke in class, of course. But um, I want to encourage people not to, you know, I don't want to necessarily be their teacher. I want to be their temporary teacher. I want to show them. How to do it, how to do it, what I feel is right. Um, how to, when I say right, I just mean efficient, thorough, and substantial. You know, I might as well make the most of your time. Um, and all we're doing really is conditioning the body to, to line up with the deepest part of us, the deepest part of you, whether we want to call it spirit or soul. Right. Or, all parts of the body, every rotation of the joint and this and that. And putting oxygen in there and chasing out. In doing so, we're chasing out the tightness, we're chasing out the dis-ease, dis-ease, and putting in more ease and more I guess, alignment with, you know, you're lining your body up just a little bit more, you know, and sinking, if you're working towards stillness in your practice and you're pumping oxygen in, working towards stillness in your practice and you're chasing everything out, then if you're able to sit still and be what you are without all that power, without all the the utilitarian body. If you can be something in stillness and feel like happy yeah. and joyous and at home. Yeah. The ayahuasca has worn off, but the the change has stayed. And I do I'll do it every year. I'll do I'll do one a year. I don't need it more than that, I don't feel. But I do need to pull myself out and look back at my body. I look back at myself every once in a while as because life gets busy, life gets complicated. But it the first time I did it, I'm back up a little bit. It was violent because I needed that. I'd been doing, you know, practicing and teaching yoga for a long time, you know, maybe I think nine, ten years. And I had worked all this stuff up to the surface and all this stuff felt like it was stuck. And I was frustrated with where yoga was taking me. And a friend, a student turned me on to uh, this guy, this shaman that was coming from South America to Mount Hood is when I was living in Portland. And I uh, I went to a ceremony and it was violent. The the brew, the, the ayahuasca, the other plants, they give you, they, when I say they cradle you, they give you the experience you need. They give you the experience you can handle. They give you a healthy experience. They don't give you an unhealthy experience. But what I needed at that point was a violent, it needed to break loose, and it did. Boy, did it ever, man! I was ter, I felt, I felt terrified, and then all of a sudden, bam! I threw. I was on my hands and knees on the lawn, and uh, I dug in with my hands because that drain. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! It was accelerating. And that terror and all this shit, all this bad shit, all this bad trip I was having, all this bad stuff that I was looking at in my life was coming up. And it was bad. It was real bad stuff that I needed to get out of my body, I felt. You know, I didn't know how much was there until, you know, it started showing me everything that was there. And my body was contracting. And and I went over to a part of the, the property and got on my hands and knees and I dug in as much as I can. And by that point, it was spinning so fast that I felt like I was going to leave the planet. I felt like I was going to shoot up into the stars and I dug my fingers in as much as I could. And it was sulfur. It wasn't mud or grass or dirt. It was sulfur. And it was this dust 
from the volcano, you know, up by Mount Hood. And I yelled, this isn't going to hold. Mm. And I projectile vomited and passed out for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And I woke up and it was gone. All that shit was gone. And it never came back. And again, just to remind everyone, check out Bava's Fest at B-H-A-V-A-S-F-E-S-T dot com. And remember my promo code 2B-Y-O-G-I. If you've been kind of grooving to this background music we've got going on, then you might want to Google Brian Dahl, B-R-Y-I-N-D-A-L-L. The other musicians are the band members of Loretta's Doll, an album called Golden Dog LVX. Tonight, we'll be interviewing Arielle Miller-Cohen, the girl with purple hair. She teaches at One Down Dog in Silver Lake, and she and I will both be presenting up at Bava's Fest this year. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. Start wearing purple for me now All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish I promise, it's just a matter of time <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link to it, Lee. You'll have to, yeah. you'll have to Yeah, and I've been purple for three years Well, I think, like, especially when we talk about, you know, religions Like Buddhism and Hinduism, these, like, very spiritual Eastern religions You know, and people who adopt them, especially here in the West It's... It's, I think it's important because we're, we're ultimately like seeking for something, you know, like all yogis, you know, what draws us to a practice is we're looking for something, right? And we don't necessarily know what it is we're looking for, but we're, we're making this commitment to seek, right? Yeah. So when somebody starts to kind of like, you know, when we adopt a yoga practice, more so than just the physical aspect, which, you know, many people start out with yoga just for the physical aspect or because my doctor said I needed it kind of thing. Right. And if you start to internalize the teachings, I think that there's nothing but good to be taken from that because these are religions of peace and, and nothing but I feel like utter good can come from people who live you know, a, a lifestyle that is one of introspection and compassion and empathy. Yeah. That's just my take. I get it. You know, I mean, I'm not from L.A. I'm not a native. I've been in L.A. Um, tw- it'll be 12 years in August. And I I consider myself an Angelino. I'm originally from New York. And when mm. people like, you know, are like, oh, my God, you're so New York. I'm like, oh, please don't insult me. <laughs> <laughs> I am like proud to be an Angelino. I am proud to embody, you know, whatever stereotypical Angelino, you know, thing you want to lay on me, except I still am very East Coast. You know, I'm punctual. I'm polite. I'm, I do a job and I do it well. And I, when I walk down a street, I don't necessarily smile because that's just my face and it's resting bitch face. And that's, <laughs> you know, like I don't make any apologies. I don't make any excuses, but I am also a you know, a yoga instructor who's gluten-free and was a vegan and vegetarian for 15 years, like that woo-woo side. And here in LA, that's very embraced. Whereas in New York, people are like, what's wrong with you? So Bava's Fest. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Yeah. You're teaching there as well, correct? I am. What are you going to be teaching? 
So I'm teaching something called Power Flow. Um, I I teach right now at a studio in Silver Lake called One Down Dog. Uh, mm-hmm. It's where I teach yoga. I also sub yoga at Equinox and teach uh, cycling for Equinox. And um, I love my beloved One Down Dog studio. I have been there for the last three years. We opened three years ago, and I was part of the the founding instructor group called you know the ODD Fam. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm teaching what I'm basically known for in, in this city is, is I've called it power flow and it's a fitness inspired cardio yoga flow. It fuses plyometrics along with dynamic fitness moves with flirty out of the box vinyasa flows designed to elevate your heart rate, but it's a, it, an inspiring, invigorating, empowering kind of class that we learn through the physical uh, overcoming these what we would consider physical kinds of borders and boundaries and barriers that we're so much stronger than we really think we are. Nice. I might you come think, to that class. You're over in on in, near Silver Lake Boulevard? I am. I teach on Sundays at 9.45 at the Silver Lake location, and I'm also there Thursday evenings, 5.15 and 6.30. Very cool. Yeah, I'm just right over here in Highland Park. Oh. The other Silver Lake. Well, then, <laughs> look at that. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. I mean, or check us out on social media, on Instagram. It's a magical, magical place. A, you know, One Down Dog was founded on being non-pretentious. And basically, you know, the tagline is yoga, fitness, fun. We're known for our music. And um, music, in, at least in my, my fitness class, I teach at the studio called Sweat. Sweat class is designed to be a workout, which is like what I mentioned before is that, you know, we take what we need. Some people prefer a yoga workout and that's okay. And some people prefer to chant and that's, that's okay. There's a whole world of yoga. And some people will say that, you know, a a cardio vinyasa flow with loud, loud music, is not yoga. But who are we to stand and say what yoga is and what yoga isn't? Right. You know, yoga is all up to your interpretation. For Christ's sake, we lay on pillows and call it restorative yoga. People, But you're not moving, but it's yoga. Hell well, yeah, because it can be whatever you want. Yoga is unity. Exactly. It can be whatever you want it to be. Right. So I'm teaching. I've been, you know, my an offshoot, you know, my own, my own brand, the girl with purple hair, um, is this power flow and it's energizing and I'm super excited to, to bring it to the festival and, and share it with people so that we sweat together and, you know, we indulge and celebrate our bodies and celebrate our breath and just have a grand old time and smile and get our yoga on. Nice. Have you been up to Kern River? I know I have not. I mean, it's, I'm, Super pumped! I had my uh, my senior trip in high school. We went up there, and we were what, there is it for beautiful. Is it the most beautiful place? It's great. It's a lot of fun. There's whitewater rapids. There's like all these different options for like how dangerous of a river raft you know ride you want to try out. Yeah. Uh, there's hikes. There's climbing. There's you know um, campfire. You know like uh, fire pits. So there's like late nights around the campfire and all that kind of thing. What day are you teaching? Um, I haven't checked the updated schedule. The last time I had checked, I had, you know it was not updated. It looked like it was Thursday, but. I was told that I may be, te- or I was teaching Thursday and Friday. I, 
haven't checked the updated schedule yet. I mean, I plan to be there for the weekend, mm-hmm. so um, nice. we'll see. But I have to double-check the updated schedule. There's been a lot of info coming in and yeah. still trying to wrap my head around, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to camp because that's what I want to do. So. Nice. Yeah, I think I want to go go all the way too, and not. I mean, there are uh, the rooms available, I guess, but uh, for the people who prefer that, prefer air conditioning and a room is nice, is nice, but the opportunity to camp and really connect to nature. I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, and we're. I just figured, why not? Plus, I mean, from a financial standpoint, I don't really want to spend the money on a hotel room. (laughs) You know, if they were like, yeah, we'll comp your rooms, like hell yeah, but like no. Nice. So just so people know what we're talking about, um, it's Bava's Fest, right? Uh, B-H-A-V-A-S-F-E-S-T dot com. And it's a yoga festival happening up north, Kern County. Uh, that's March 20, wait, March 31st, March 31st yeah. until April 3rd. And so people who are tuning in because of you, because they wanted to hear their teacher on a podcast – for those people, what's your promo code? My my promo code is you ready for this? It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a kicker. It's purple hair. All right, just all spelled out, no spaces. Purple hair, just together, all caps. At least they sent it to me, all caps. So uh, I'm gonna assume it's all caps. Cool. And for those of you who tuned in because it's my podcast or because you're tuning into the To Be a Yogi podcast, uh, feel free to use my promo code. It's two, the number two, the letter B, Yogi. To Be Yogi. That's cute. So, yeah, we should make sure that we're not teaching at the same time so that we can go to each other's classes. For sure. I mean, I would definitely love to to, to meet you in person beforehand. Um, yeah, totally. So we my- should definitely connect. Mine's going to be more toward the spectrum of the chanting. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I I have a very traditional personal practice and I have a, you know, a self-meditation practice and and those kinds of things. How I, how I teach and how I practice are two totally different universes. Right. And and I do teach a a variety of, of yoga classes. So I always tell people like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You never know. We're, we're, there's lots of layers to us. It's true. Yeah, I teach at Crunch Fitness, so the same thing. I, you know, I teach much more of a power flow kind of thing. They call it power yoga. Definitely check out my class. You know, I definitely think that you know you can go ahead and go ahead and snag some stuff for your power yoga. Oh yeah, totally. I'd love to. <laughs> but then I, uh, you know, when people come over here, sometimes we get more into that. Like I have my dad's old Tibetan bells. We he raised me doing a chakra opening every morning, so I'm kind of grounded in that. Um, so I oh, like that's to, amazing. That's yeah, beautiful. yeah, that's what I'm going to be teaching. Uh, and I I love that there's going to be a river there. One of my teachers uh, taught me zazen, and he was all he would always make reference to if you can hear the river, then you're there. And I'd say what river? And he'd say, oh well, my teacher always said there was a river because his, <laughs> his, his teacher was Suzuki, who was also Alan Watts's zazen teacher up in San Francisco, but his teacher would there was a river <laughs> back in Japan. <laughs> so it's so it's nice that I could actually make reference to a river that's that's there for a change. So Oh wow. Well that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely we should make sure to connect. I have to check out the updated schedule and I will for sure make a point if we do not connect before the festival to um seek you out. Absolutely. And congratulations. Working. You you were just very recently married then. 
Actually, we were married in June. Oh, okay. We paid for our own weddings. So we had then paid for our honeymoon. So we needed time to save for In the between. honeymoon. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. My, my wife and I had a five year delay between our, our, we had a, a you know, uh, an inexpensive honeymoon where we did a road trip up to Oregon and back. Mm-hmm. But then five years later, we went to Japan for three weeks. <laughs> that was oh. the real honeymoon. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's, we were in Japan very, were we in Japan? I highly recommend it. It was uh, in April uh, for three weeks, Kyoto and Tokyo and Osaka and Mount Koyasan and Jigokudani and Kamakura. Highly recommend it when, if, whenever you can. I, I am planning to get back to Asia much sooner than later. We Indonesia, we also did Singapore. Uh, absolutely incredible. There is something so special about that part of the world. And really, I'm looking into getting to Thailand and Malaysia. I'm hoping to lead a yoga retreat in Asia eventually. Nice. My husband and I will be leading a retreat in June in Mexico, a like, you know, fitness yoga kind of awesome uh, workshop and retreat. So cool. to be able to get over to maybe Thailand eventually. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm hoping my next stop is uh, India and Nepal. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yes. That's one I'm probably going to go on solo and, uh, you know, really just do some hiking and some exploring and some seeking and, you know. I wanted to go to India originally for our honeymoon and my husband vetoed that because he's <laughs> go on this journey and just leave me in the dust. <laughs> My husband's very recently started to find a yoga practice and it's been absolutely beautiful to be part of sharing that with someone as they start to discover a practice. And like, I like to hold his hand in Shavasana at the end of a class is like my absolute favorite part of my life. Oh, how sweet. Mm -hmm. It's really an awesome, awesome thing. That's great. I'm going to be bringing him with us, uh, with me to the festival. So he's going to be yoga'd out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I guess there's also going to be some fire dancing and uh, a few other things too. I feel like it's going to be pretty Burning Man esque, which I I've never been to Burning Man, but uh, Burning Burning Man, but with a river instead of just you know a dust storm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not quite Burning Man, but a bunch of yogis sitting around a campfire can't be can't be bad. No, I think it's just going to be delightful. I have, I think, I even know a few of the vendors that are coming in. So the few people that I've connected with. Um, so and then I've even people that saw that I was teaching hit me up that are going to be there. So it's super exciting. Cool. I do write a blog and have a website. It's um, thegirlwithpurplehair.com. And um, if people can go ahead and check that out, subscribe to my blog and, you know, you can see where I'm teaching and the workshops and retreats that I'm leading around the city and, you know, in Mexico in June. And I'll have more more things up there shortly, but I would love to uh, share my life and all sorts of positive things with people if they check me out at thegirlwithpurplehair.com. Sounds good. Well, it was very nice to meet you. It was so nice to meet you as well. And thank you for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. So I'll probably have this up in the next few days, and I'll send you a link. I'll probably tag you. I don't know if we're Facebook friends yet, uh, but I'll I'll find you and tag you. And Yeah, totally. I have two Facebook pages. I have my um, – my, because I'm I, – I, I tout myself as a lifestylist because I do yoga, fitness, nutrition, uh, life coaching, that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a lifestylist. And okay. uh, you can find me, you know, Ariel Miller Cohen. Obviously, you'll know it's me. I mean, it's the girl with purple hair. It's very obvious. Very right. easy. So you can find my, my work one and my, my public Ariel Miller Cohen one. Okay. I've just sent you a friend request. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited. I'm going to look forward to it. Sounds good. And uh, so I'll probably see you before then. And if not, then I'll see you up at Bava's Fest. Awesome. Sounds good. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. I'd like to close with a poem that was originally a song sung by the man we know as Padmasambhava, or Born from the Lotus. Padmasambhava was an 8th century Indian Buddhist master. Many of the stories which are passed down to us about him are so fantastical they're difficult to believe. But he is generally credited as being the one to bring Vajrayana Buddhism to Tibet. Just before he left Tibet, he sang this song to the king and those who were in attendance in the royal court. And Yishi Tsyokol, who uh, was said to have a photographic memory, recorded it as follows. I am a yogi, beyond word, thought, and description, who journeys on the plane of the view free from extremes. When I journey on the plane of this view, I journey while regarding appearance and existence as Dharmakaya. I am a yogi of luminous appearance and emptiness who journeys on the plane of the meditation of empty bliss. When I journey on the plane of this meditation, I journey beyond meditation and post-meditation. I am a yogi of self-liberated perception, who journeys on the plane of spontaneous conduct. When I journey on the plane of this conduct, I journey in equal taste, without accepting or rejecting. I am a yogi of self-existing non-fabrication, who journeys on the plane of spontaneously accomplished fruition. When I journey on the plane of this fruition, I journey free from hope and fear. I am a yogi beyond word, thought, and description, who journeys over the pass of the view free from extremes. When I journey over the pass of this view, I journey beyond meditation throughout day and night. I am a yogi of luminous appearance and emptiness, who journeys over the pass of meditation of empty bliss. When I journey over the pass of this meditation, I journey free from dullness and agitation. I am a yogi of self-liberated perception who journeys over the pass of spontaneous conduct. When I journey over the pass of this conduct, I journey 
while sowing the seeds of omniscience. I am a yogi of self-existing non-fabrication who journeys over the paths of spontaneously accomplished fruition. When I journey over the paths of this fruition, I am the Buddha of perfected realization. I am a yogi beyond word, thought, and description, who journeys down the slope of the view free from extremes. When I journey down the slope of this view, I dwell in the state of non-arising dharmata. I am a yogi of luminous appearance and emptiness, who journeys down the slope of the meditation of empty bliss. When I journey down the slope of this meditation, I dwell in the state of undistracted non-meditation. I am a yogi of self-liberated perception who journeys down the slope of spontaneous conduct. When I journey down the slope of this conduct, I act according to the words of the Sugatas. I am a yogi of self-existing non-fabrication, who journeys down the slope of spontaneously accomplished fruition. When I journey down the slope of this fruition, I am the Buddha whose stream of being is purified. I am a yogi beyond word, thought, and description, who journeys to the place of the view free from extremes. When I journey to the place of this view, samsara and nirvana are of the same nature. I am a yogi of luminous appearance and emptiness, who journeys to the place of the meditation of emptiness bliss. When I take the journey to the place of this meditation, the nature of thought is wisdom. I am a yogi of self-liberated perception who journeys to the place of spontaneous conduct. When I journey to the place of this conduct, appearance and existence have the nature of a mandala. I am a yogi of self-existing non-fabrication who journeys to the place of spontaneously accomplished fruition. When I journey to the place of this fruition, everything is the nature of Buddhahood. Once you realize the intent of this song, samsara is nothing to be rejected, and nirvana is nothing to be accomplished. As always, thank you all for tuning in. I hope that uh, you've become inspired to bring a little bit of yoga into your practice, whatever your practice may be. And if you'd like to be a guest on next week's episode, do please drop me a line. 
Namaste and LVX. Good night.